Good evening. How's everybody doing? It's good to be. It's good to be back up here. Seems to be about once every six months, which is awesome. If you'd have told me two years ago this would be a regular thing, I would. Yeah, I wouldn't have believed you. Come a long way. It's an honor to be here. I'm glad to be here. Ah, oh, it's been a crazy week. It's a crazy life. My dad uh, uh, is in Colorado Springs. Um, he's with Papa Jack and some other people for a wedding. Uh, a lot of you guys know Papa Jack. The Buckners are there. Um, Reed Grafke, he's a fine man. He's a king of a man. Is getting remarried. His wife passed away a couple of years ago. And so they're up there celebrating. And uh, tomorrow's actually my dad's 65th birthday, as well as Father's Day. So, yeah. Yeah. So I asked my dad, I said, okay, dad, what do you want? What do you want for your birthday? What do you want for Father's Day? And he said, take care of my church. No, uh, no greater honor than that, than to, to, than to know that the that my earthly father can leave and entrust me with his life's work. That's pretty cool. Um, also, Colleen and Ben are in Uganda. Charlie's kind of doing his thing. He kind of looked down and saw who was left in the bullpen. <laughs> like, if he had any fresh arms that he could throw today. So I kind of I got picked. Um, but I'm glad. I'm glad to be here. I've been asking the Lord... Uh, for weeks now, because I've kind of known about this date. It's been changed a couple times, but I've known that I was preaching for at least a month or so. And I'm asking the Lord for a fresh word and living my Christian evangelism, crazy light to the world type of life that I'm trying to live. And the Lord wanted, and I just want to share it with you so much, but the Lord threw some scripture at me. Um, so today I'm going to talk to you out of John 17, verses 13 to 26. Before I get to the, the verses, this passage has been a struggle, a real struggle. Do you ever wrestle with God? I wrestle with the word? I do it all the time. <laughs> I wrestle with the Lord and what he wants for me, and I wrestle with the Lord and what he's trying to say to me all the time. There's value in the struggle. There's beauty in the struggle. We grow when we struggle. I almost, I almost seek everywhere I can. I almost look to struggle these days. I haven't always been that way, and I'll talk to you a little bit about that. But um, he gave me this passage, and I just couldn't get it. But I knew it had what I wanted in it, but I was like, how do I deliver this? How do I make sense of this? Um, And so, of course, I, have, I live with a great theologian. I, I, mean, I asked my dad. I said, oh, you know, you know, the first go-to is ask, ask my, my dad. I said, well, what do you make of this passage? And he said, you know, Anthony, frankly, that flummoxes me. Just so you know, my dad speaks the same way at home as he does here. Flummox was the word. <laughs> and I was like, cool, well, thanks, good talk. Um, he said, here's a whole bunch of commentaries search through these. So I searched through 
And none of them spoke to me. None of them, none of them gave me what the Lord was trying to tell me. And so I don't present this scripture today. I'm not going to present it to you as uh, like the rock solid foundation of truth. I'm just gonna present it to you as my truth that I pulled out of it. What I always want for you is for you to reread the scripture and find what it says to you. Um, and I want, I want to take my truth and your truth and the truth until we find the truth. That's how I argue. I argue, I argue for more truth, not to prove that I'm right. But let's go ahead and read this and we'll see if I know how to work this clicker or if it's even on. Thank you. What am I doing wrong here, John? Yeah, I don't know how this works. Can you just control? There you go. Thank you, Garrett. That side. Thank you. Perfect. All right. So starting in verse 13. But now I am coming to you and these things I speak in the world that they may have my joy fulfilled in themselves. I have given them your word and the world has hated them because they are not of the world just as I am not of the world. I do not ask that you take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Sanctify them in truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world. And for their sake, I consecrate myself, that they also may be be sanctified in truth. I do not ask for these only, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, that they may have all, that they may all be one, just as you, Father, and in me, and I in you, that they may also be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. The glory that you have given me, I have given to them, that they may be one, even as we are one. In them, I in them, and you in me, that they may become perfect, <laughs> perfectly one or united so that the world may know that you sent me and loved them even as you loved me. Father, I desire that they also whom you have given me may be with me where I am to see my glory that you have given me because you loved me before the foundation of the world. O righteous Father, even though the world does not know you, I know you and these know that you have sent me. I made it known, I made it, known to them your name, and I will continue to make it known that the love in which you have loved me may be in them and I in them. I am. So what we have here, last time I spoke to you, I spoke to you out of Matthew 6, 9 through 13, the Lord's prayer that he gave the disciples. This here is John, uh, John's account of Jesus praying to the Father. So this is Jesus coming to uh, his father, God, and asking him, uh, pleading for his disciples before he sends them in the world because he knows he's not going to be with us or with them much longer. I love, okay, I kind of chose the scriptures the way I wanted them and I didn't choose this translation. So I may be switching to you from my New American Standard Bible, and this is the English Standard Version. I always like to look through different translations, find different words. Um, 
And, but apparently my father and I study different Bibles, my, my dad, because he sent that to them. But verse 13, we're going to start out with Jesus comes to the father and says, and these things I speak in the world so that they may have my joy made full in themselves. I like to start it with joy. If you notice the last verse, I ended it with love. I chose the verses. There's a lot more to it. There's a lot more to this prayer. I tried to chew on as much as I could. But what I'm bringing to you begins with joy. Do you have joy? Do you have the joy of the Father? Are you joyful to be around in the world? Does the world see your joy? I promise you, if you hang out with me, you're going to find joy. I promise you, if you come with me and do things with me, we're gonna have fun and we're going to find the joy of the Lord everywhere we go. I love to present my joy. I love to present, I love to just tell people that Jesus is good, God is good. Today's a good day. And I take you to the next verse. Verse 14, I have given them your word and the world has hated them. Yeah, sometimes I'm a little too joyful. Sometimes I wake up in the morning so full of joy, my own father hates me. <laughs> but I asked, I asked my dad, I said, dad, I'm in the world all the time. The world does not hate me. The world loves me. Come hang out with me. I'll show you. I go lots of places. And his response was, no, the world doesn't hate you, but the world hates Jesus. So people all the time, they're attracted to my spirit. They're attracted, first of all, I have crazy hair and a crazy beard and I dress kind of crazy and people want to know what's up with me. Second of all, I'm really full of joy. So people come and they want to be around me. And I use that tactic to get people to talk to me. I use the way I look to get people to talk to me so I can tell them about Jesus. But at first, someone will come up to me and I will just try to bless them and I will just try to speak nice on them. And, and oftentimes someone will say, who are you? And I'll say, I'm one of Jesus's guys. I'm one of his guys. I'm a Jesus dude. And they don't really know what to say to that because they don't want to be rude to a guy who's blessing them and joyful. But somewhere inside them, they, the world, the world is convicted by the name of Jesus. The world, the, so, so Jesus is praying to the Father. And I don't fully understand it, but Jesus is praying and says, right here, verse 14, I have given them your word and the world has hated them because they are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. I love being in the world, but what does it mean to be not of the world? As my physical body goes all over the place. My eyes stay in the spirit. I'm not uh, a super observant fella. I can drive by the same sign every day on my way to work and not know it's there. I really can. I'll ask somebody, is there an auto parts store around here? And they're like, yeah, you drive by it every day. I'm like, yeah, I never saw that. But... I very, very much notice the spirit on people. I look for people and I see the world differently. I tell people that all the time because I'm always looking for the spirit on them. What does your countenance say to me? What is your spirit saying to me? 
Are you in need? Are you, do you need a blessing? Do you need a word of encouragement? Or do you just, are, are you full of joy? And, and I follow that. And, and I think that's what this passage says to me. The passage says, I'm in, in the world, but not of the world. And as I, as I move on, verse 15, I do not ask you to take them out of the world, but to keep them from the evil one. We've been preaching lately, we, as in this church, this house, and what I've been studying, but my father has been preaching the last couple of weeks on the kingdom of heaven being at hand, being now, not a place to strive to go to when you die. That doesn't make sense to me. I don't understand how Christianity has gotten away with teaching that for so many years. It is a pretty good evangelism tool. Do you know what's gonna happen to you when you die? But that just doesn't, that doesn't drive me. And right here, because look, if the point of life is to do good deeds and go to heaven or to get saved and then go to heaven, then just take me. I already believe, let's go, take me out of here. Why am I still here? Why am I still here talking to you? Why am I still out in the world telling people about Jesus so that so they can get their ticket punched? But Jesus, Jesus is praying in verse 15. I ask you, I do not ask you to take them out of the world, but keep them from the evil one. Last time I preached, Matthew 6, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's verse 10. Thy kingdom come now. Verse 13, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. The same things that we learned from Jesus in Matthew to pray. Jesus is praying these words back to the Father. What is the evil one? The evil one is deceit. The evil one is lies. So as we move along, Again, 16, they are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. Again, a repeat of that out of this world mentality because we are in Jesus, we are not in the world. Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is the truth. To be sanctified in truth. To be free. I teach, the, I teach the youth on truth. I teach the youth on the destructive power of deceit. I taught them a wonderful sermon called Don't Poop in the Pool. <laughs> it's how, how deceit poisons the atmosphere around us, whether we see it or not. And the amount of disinfectant that it takes to clear deceit. The amount of truth that you need to clear the, the, the deceit. The evil one, he wants to put lies in your head. He wants to tell you. He wants, he wants you full of shame, doubt, fear. He wants you full of insecurity. Attacks me every, when I, when, if I'm preaching to you, I have to go through it for an entire week. Just straight attacks. You know why? Because he knows who I am. The evil one knows my name. And he wants to take the truth away from me. But, but I sanctify myself in the truth because the Father's word is truth. And I carry that truth. You understand that when Jesus is praying this, he's praying this over the disciples, but I'm receiving it as my own. But he's praying this over these disciples that he's going to send into a world that hates them. Sending out 
revolutionaries. I think of myself as a revolutionary. I speak it over myself. I tell myself, I am a dragon hunting, giant slaying, slave freeing revolutionary. I say these words to myself because I believe that that's truth. And I wear that because I believe that I am part of a revolution. But my revolution, my revolution weapons are peace, love, joy, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and sometimes self-control. But he's equipping, he's equipping people because we're here to announce a kingdom kingdom that the world isn't on board with. We're not here to tell you, check off some boxes and when you die, everything will be fine. This is not the way I was preaching this in my rehearsal. (laughs) Ah, where where am I? truth sanctify them in truth you as you sent me into the world I have also sent them into the world for their sakes I sanctify myself or this version it says I I consecrate myself I think I need to move a slide I'll figure this out before it's over or I won't yeah For their sakes, I sanctify myself that they themselves also may be sanctified in truth or consecrated, as Jesus says. Where did I go? Yeah, 17, 18 and 19. Jesus consecrated. He made himself sacred and holy, and it became truth. And he, and he went to a cross and he died. He died for your sins so you can stop worrying about them. Start worrying about what he wants to do with you. And then he rose again three days later. And that is our truth. Sanctify yourself in that truth. I was watching uh, today, I had my son and we were watching Bumblebee, the movie Bumblebee. And they're, they're hunting for the, the leader of the Transformers. They're hunting for Optimus Prime. And they're looking for Bumblebee because then they can find Optimus Prime. And the point of finding Optimus Prime is so that they can kill the leader of a rebellion. And in the movie, they said, the rebellion will always stand as long as the leader is alive. Do you understand that Jesus could not be killed? He defeated death. And we are part of a rebellion, a rebellion that cannot be quenched as long as our leader lives. And I, can, and I think of myself this way and I think of you this way. And, I, and some of you are on the front lines of this revolutionary rebellion. And, I've, and, I, and I go with you. I went with uh, Laurel and, and, and Daniel. We went and did spiritual readings. Um, held up a sign that says, free spiritual readings. We went to Summerfest. And I'll go to any festival or tournament or or parade, or party, anywhere where there's lots and lots of people. I want to go there. But we went to Summerfest and held up these signs, and, and I'm not good at giving spiritual readings. And the other part is dream interpretations, and I certainly don't know what I'm doing there. 
but I go because these guys are frontline freedom fighters and people line up to talk to them. And all you gotta do is really pray for them and kind of and sit alongside of them and, and learn and study. And, and, uh, and frankly, like I said, I'm not good at giving spiritual readings. I'm not the best prophet, but I'm a good preacher and people wanted some of that. So I was able to share with people and I was able to, to see their countenance change and I was able to, to see their lives impacted. Thursday night, we have homeless ministry. This Thursday, this Thursday I believe, led by Rob and Nicole Romero. Go out there. It's front line, giant slaying, slave freeing. It's front line work. I love it there. I'm not, I'm not super compassionate and, and it's hard for me to minister to homeless because it's just, I don't have a heart for it, but I have such a heart for what Jesus has a heart for that I go with these guys and there's always grace on it and I always meet somebody and I'm always able to minister to somebody and the Lord makes it easy. I just step out and I just go into the world armed with sanctified, not armed, sanctified with truth that Jesus made sacred and, and Jesus made, made holy and he's making me righteous. I tell you, um, I want to go back a little bit to the lies of the enemy only because I love this story, or I love to talk about this. There are lies that, that we all believe about ourselves. I'd like to meet the person who has cleaned out all the giants inside of them. Um, every time I think I have, I find one more. And I found, I found some recently. But little things like, like, don't speak death over people. Forever, for the longest time, the world has told me this crazy lie. This crazy lie that I have attention deficit disorder. First of all, I was made by God. I don't have a deficit. And second of all, I love disorder. It's called chaos. You've been listening to what my dad's been preaching. The opposite of order is chaos. We used to practice church when I was growing up in order and everything had to be order. Now we love the chaos. The spirit is chaos. So I have attention, chaos, blessing. I can have conversations with 25 people in the span of one hour and it's all meaningful and I remember all their names and they've impacted me or I've impacted all of them. I struggle with focus. Struggle is good. There's value in struggle. I certainly don't have a deficit. That's a lie. And I break that off. My son my beloved son, tomorrow's Father's Day. My son struggles with autism. But it's not a disability. It's actually a blessing. It makes me work harder to understand how his mind works. And then when I unlock how his mind works, it's hilarious. And he tells me funny things all the time and he's rarely in a bad mood, never throws fits. He's easily redirectable. His autism is a blessing. It is not a disorder. It's a little chaotic. 
I got a message from uh, a good friend of mine who loves to pick on me. So an hour before my sermon, he starts asking me what I'm preaching on. And I'm like, I sent him this text and he goes back with, he wants to tell me the Greek founding. And I said, I'll work it in. So he better be watching. The word, are you ready for this? The Greek word for world is cosmos. The Greek word for order is cosmos. Take that for as you will. I love chaos. I like to take people with too much order and show them some chaos. And I like to take my Jesus into the world. I go, I go to the craziest places and I look for pockets where Jesus is. I went to a mud volleyball tournament. Is anybody familiar with the mud volleyball tournament? Yeah, about 5,000 people by my estimation show up and, uh, and everybody gets like, you know, there's a hundred or there was something like 85 mud volleyball courts, literally two feet of mud up to your knees. You're trying to play volleyball. It's a disaster. It's so much fun. You get just covered in filth and uh, people start imbibing by like, I don't know, seven in the morning <laughs> and people get wild and crazy. And, and as the day goes on, people start to imbibe too much and people start doing, making fools themselves and fights start happening. And, and it's just a very worldly, a worldly gathering. But here I am <clears throat> doing what I do, looking for Jesus in this, in this environment, in this event. Because I really, really do believe that the spirit of God rests so deeply on me that if I come close to you, I will change the atmosphere that I'm in. I really believe that. There was a fight that broke out and I just started walking towards it. I don't know why I wasn't gonna do anything, but I just started walking towards these two guys fighting and everybody's tearing them apart and security's there and, and all of a sudden more people because as soon as security shows up, then everybody wants to fight because I don't know how that works. <laughs> they don't, when you hold back someone who's trying to fight, then they wanna fight 10 times worse. I don't, I don't really get that. But, <clears throat> but I started walking over there praying in tongues. And I wasn't saying anything to anybody. I wasn't going to get in the middle of the fight. I just, I just kept slowly walking towards the fight until I got within like three feet of this struggle, fearlessly standing there, just praying. All I could think about was the only thing this atmosphere, this, this situation right now is missing is the presence of God and I have it and I'm going to bring it. And I'm gonna show up with the spirit on me and something's gonna change. Eventually, they stopped fighting. Um, I don't know that I had anything to do with it. The fight's ceasing. But I sure believe. And I'll tell you guys, there's a lot of things in my life that I don't know, but I sure believe. Because what I believe is stronger than what I know. It's called faith. So I'm also at this mud volleyball tournament and <clears throat> uh, my team plays every hour on the hour, 9, 10, 11, 12, 20 minutes. And then there's a break and I just go and I'm like looking to just talk to and bless as many people as possible. There's 5,000 people in one area and I really wanted to talk to all of them. And I found a friend who said, this, there's this team and they really, need, they really need some players. They can't play. Uh, you have to have a minimum amount of players and they didn't have it. And... I was more looking to try and like 
commune with people, but I was like, sure, I'll jump in. It turned out to be these three girls just graduated from Hope Christian High School. They were super sweet. They were uh, just, just full of life. And where everyone else is just kind of just partying too hard and, and kind of by noon, you can't really have conversations. These three girls were just, just light, but they needed someone to play. So I rallied a few more friends and I jumped in and we started talking about Jesus. We started talking about their futures. We started talking about the love of the Lord. And in this chaotic, worldly environment, I found this little Jesus pocket. Because he's everywhere, you know. He's so everywhere. Open your eyes. Be not of this world, but in the world. I don't hold, I don't want to hold my friends, my Christian friends back from the world. Lots of, lots of churches say like, oh, well, they're, their pastors shouldn't be seen at this event or that event or they shouldn't go to bars. And, and I'm like, what are you afraid of? Are you afraid that the world is more powerful than, than the spirit of truth that they have been sanctified in? Heaven forbid I go into a world, a worldly event. No, no, hell forbid I show up in that worldly event and start changing the atmosphere. I believe these things. I really do. And I live this life. I really do. Hang out with me anytime you want. We'll play volleyball. We'll dance. We'll sing. And we'll tell people about Jesus. And we'll lift some weights too. <laughs> okay, where was I? Uh, verse 20. Am I Let's see. I do not ask for these only, but also for those who will believe in me through their word. Share your testimony. There's more people coming. There's more to come. This, to me, is the verse about me. Not only do I, um, I do not ask on behalf of these alone, these 12, these 12 disciples, but also the ones, but for also those who will believe in me through their word. So reading N.T. Wright's commentary on this, he, he said, the world is never more than a generation away from forgetting about the kingdom of heaven, if not for our word, our testimony. Share with people what the Lord is doing in your life. Share with those around you. Tell people, the Lord is the Lord's doing amazing things. Or tell them, the Lord is distant from me. I love when people share their excitement about the Lord. I love when I meet people. I love when I go out of the world and I meet another Christian who's like, are you a believer? And I say, yes. And they say, me too. They say, what do you think about this? And they start wanting to talk to me about, about what the Lord is saying to me and what the Lord is saying to them. Share with your word. Verse 21, that they may all be one, even as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be in us. What does that mean, to be one? I, I, like, to, I like to get into debates with other Christians um, about faith, not necessarily because I'm trying to convince them that my way of doing things is right. Sometimes I do it just to watch them get mad. Why? Why do we go and talk to Christians that have different beliefs than us and then get all riled up? Right here, we need unity. We need to be one. One with them. Finally, I, they get mad because I don't get mad and I just kind of smile at them. And, and usually I'm like, 
you know, usually I'm like at the gym with somebody talking or playing volleyball or somewhere. And, and I just kind of just like, well, man, you know, you keep doing you because it's working out. And then they get really mad because I'm like, that's it. I don't want to talk about this anymore. But it's honestly like unification and unify yourself with the Lord. Now, this is the part that, that drives, that just drove me insane. For they, they may all be one, even as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be in us, so that the world may believe that you sent me. If we continue on, the glory which you have given me, I have given to them, that they may be one, just as we are one. How do we be one with the Father? Like, what is that? This says, Jesus is praying to the Father that we may be one in them, in Jesus. And, in, and, and, I, and I read this with, I read this with a, a passion to understand, like, what does it mean to be one with the Father? I want to take you back uh, three months ago, around about three months ago. I was struggling. I was struggling with uh, my job was killing me, wasn't it, Garrett? I had some relationships that were, that were really killing me and, and, and I had some, some financial issues and I was struggling so bad and I, and, I, and I was asking the Lord, what do you want from me? I'm trying so hard to walk this path and walk this out with you, Lord, and all I'm getting is struggle. What do you want? And one day, I was sitting on the edge of my bed at like six in the morning. My dad walks in and he's like, are you okay? I had to be at work in an hour and I was already up and ready and I, and I was just sitting there and I was like, no, I'm not okay. Like I don't, nothing's wrong with me. I'm fine, I'm not weary, but I don't wanna face this day. I was struggling so bad that I had even journaled a couple of times, Lord, Take me out of this world. I don't want to be here anymore. The problem is Jesus already prayed and said, don't take them out of the world. So I already, his prayer, his prayer was a little more impactful than mine on that one. But I asked the Lord, what do you want? And all the Lord really said to me was, I want you to keep reaching for me and you're not done struggling. I don't preach to you that Jesus uh, provides us with struggle, that, that God wants us to struggle. I don't provide that. But he does allow us to struggle. And so I took that word because there was no condemnation in that. The Lord was telling me, oh, the Lord was telling me he wanted me to be one with him. And in order to do that, I had to strip down this was in March. So Lent was starting. Uh, and I don't preach Lent also. That's a, it's, it's a, a tradition, a Christian tradition, but not a, a biblical tradition. But I don't preach against it. And I, and I do practice it because it's good to check yourself. Now don't do it. Don't uh, perform. Uh, give something up so that you can make yourself righteous before the Lord. Go righteously before the Lord so you can give something up. And so I asked the Lord, what do you want? And he said, I want you to get rid of Facebook. Facebook was taking up a lot of my time. And it wasn't, 
at all uh, filling my mind. And I'm not going to preach a sermon on social media, but I will tell you that it makes us so much more disconnected. I haven't been on it for 10 weeks. and I haven't felt more connected to my friends and my family than I do right now. And I asked the Lord, what else? And he said, I want you to give up sugar and sweets. And, and so I gave, up, I gave up all the sugar. I just, I, and, and, I, and I struggled even more. <laughs> I went from a place of crying out to the Lord, why am I struggling, to a place of, okay, Lord, let's struggle harder. And then, uh, and then my mind started just, just rejuvenating. And I started to see my life more clearly and my body started performing at levels I've just never felt before, energy. And I also struggle with seasonal depression. Does anybody, does anybody here start struggle with seasonal depression? Man, wintertime, I get so like down and out. Like wintertime kills me. And my birthday is March 4th and that's when I was really struggling. That's like the culmination to me of my seasonal depression is when my birthday hits. And, uh, and then springtime comes and I'm like 100 miles an hour. I get up, I get up and leave the house at six o'clock every day. I go to work. After work, I either go play volleyball or I come to church. And after that, I go to the gym. After that, I make about three or four phone calls, try to connect with some people, uh, encourage people. And then I get home at 11 and I start it all over again. And what I've learned is that um, in the Bible, they didn't really think of time as, as linear as much as they thought of it as seasonal. And so if I tell you like all the things I'm doing right now, which is pretty hardcore, it's not who I am. It's just what I'm doing. Six months from now, I may be in the hole again. Reach out to me, come find me. It's true. But I'm hoping that my better understanding of this seasonal aspect of life keeps me from, from getting too proud of myself when I'm up here and too down on myself when I'm not. But for 10 weeks or for 40 days, I gave up and I started struggling more. And the Lord blessed me so much that after 40 days, I doubled down. I was like, okay, no social media is good, but what if I did no internet? I already don't watch TV. TV is awful. TV sounds like uh, the, the, the adults in the, in the Peanuts cartoons. Wah, wah, wah. It's like the worst sound ever to me to listen to a television. It, oh, it rots your brain. I'm not gonna preach a sermon on that, but try it. <laughs> but I, so I, so I gave up the internet, not fully. I, I, I allow myself about, well, I have to do some things for work and I, and, you know, I have to find places that I'm going, but I give myself about 15 minutes of internet a day um, because I can't, even, I can't even go on any of my sports sites without tripping over a half-naked woman. And I'm a single guy and I don't need that in my mind. That's just garbage. And I can't turn on my TV without seeing some sort of temptation I don't need. I don't need it. It's just garbage. It just puts my mind in the gutter. Keeps me from being one with the Father. I even doubled down on my dieting. The wonderful gentleman here today taught me about fasting, intermittent fasting. Thanks, Javier. If you want to know why I'm a monster, and I am. <laughs> two, two of my best friends are, are new. They came, they came this week to hear me preach. Um, 
had my body fat tested the other day. They said it was 12.5%. They also said, this test isn't that accurate. It may be off 2%. So I said, sweet, so it's 10.5%. Awesome. (laughs) Don't speak death, always speak life. (laughs) Don't put lies in my head. (laughs) Don't give me something I can twist positively. I will. (laughs) Anyway, we move on. Verse 22 Where am I out here? 22, yeah. The glory in which you have given me, I have given them that they may be one just as we are one. The glory, the glory, the glory. What is the glory of God? The glory of God is when I watch you worship. The glory of God is when I see my son. The glory of God is when I stop and smell the roses and open my eyes, my kingdom eyes, and start looking at everyone the way God intended them to be. Don't speak negatively. Don't speak, don't speak death on my city. Don't tell me what my city's terrible at. Look at the city through my eyes and come with me. Come with me to homeless ministry, this pit stop. Come with me out. Uh, when, uh, come with, go with Daniel. Go downtown and hold up a sign that says spiritual readings and look at your city differently. Show them the glory of God that is in you. It's reflected in our worship. Our number one vocation on this earth is to be image bearers. We were made in God's image to reflect that back to people. When I go into the world, I want people to look at me and see Jesus. I want you to see the glory of God. I want to be one with him. Verse 24, no, verse 23. I and them and you and me, that they may be perfected in unity so that the world may know that you sent me and loved them even as you have loved me. Love, 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 love. If I see people get healed, if I prophesy over your life, but I do not love, it is like the sound of a creaking door. If I come over to your house and help you move, if I tell you how wonderful and beautiful you are, but I do not love, it's worthless. My number one revolutionary weapon is love. Tomorrow I'm going to talk to you about about children and raising children. I'm going to speak to you a lot about my son. Um, When I speak about love, oh man, the Lord just wrecks me. So many of you have no idea how much I love you. And I try to convey it. I tell you, a lot of you often, but you have no idea how much I love this church. burns in me to get to be here and speak to you. Where did I leave off? Father, I desire that they also whom you have given me may be with me where I am to see my glory that you have given me because you have loved me before the foundation of the world. To see him where he is. 
I desire that they also whom you have given me may be with me where I am. I'm here. If he's up there, how can I be with him where I am? Unless he's not actually gone, unless he's actually inside of me, unless the Holy Spirit brings him to actually live inside of me, that is heaven on earth. To be with God. Isn't that what we talk about? Well, someday we're going to be with God. Why don't you go there now? Why don't you ask him? Seek and you shall find. He'll come and be with you where you are. Oh, righteous father, even though the world does not know you, I know you. And these know you that you have sent me. I made known to them your name. And I will continue to make it known. That the love with which you have loved me may be in them. And I in them. I don't know about you, but that's where I want to be. And I want to be there wherever I am. And I want to be a light to this world. Even if they hate me. I will still love them. Some people are harder to love than others. Think about great terrorist acts and we think about uh, prolific uh, murderers and we think about like historical figures that have, that have wrecked nations. And sometimes I ask God, how much did you love them? And I wonder... I wonder, was the spirit of God going into that atmosphere? Did someone bring the spirit of God with them? Could I have? Would I have been strong enough? I'm going to continue to sanctify myself in the truth. I'm going to continue to try to be one with him. I'm going to struggle. There's value in my struggle. I'm going to worship that I can bear his image and I'm going to see his glory. I want you to come with me. Come with me anywhere I go. It's fun. It's really fun to live my life. It's nuts. But Jesus is always coming with me. Don't leave the house. Sometimes, sometimes I go into places and I'm like, and people are like, oh, Hawk, man, it's so glad to see you. I'm glad you came. And I'm like, and I brought Jesus. And sometimes I see that they hate that. <laughs> sometimes, sometimes I can't see. But he's coming with me. I am a giant slaying, dragon hunting, freedom fighting, revolutionary for the one true Lord most high. And his name is Jesus. And I'm not afraid to say it. I'll let you guys go a little bit early. Uh, so if you would stand with me. Take you back to 
my last sermon, Matthew 6. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors. Do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever.